0: Today, as well. It's good to be able to study the Word of God all together. If you'd like to use a Bible today as we are engaging the Word of God, the ushers have some in the back. Just raise your hand and they will get you a copy of the Bible you can use as we're unpacking today. We just began a new sermon series last week called That's the Spirit. Because all of us need to be encouraged to look for and recognize the places where the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. And once the work of the Holy Spirit is pointed out to us, and we know what to look for and what to recognize to see where the Holy Spirit is working, it's amazing how much that we can see. But where do we start? Well, as Pastor Darren said last week, this series is all about letting Jesus introduce us to the Holy Spirit. And as we read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible, you can see that Jesus actually does that quite a lot. And today we're looking into the 11th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. It's found on page 1523 of your Quest Bible. And how and where the Holy Spirit shows up in all of this might actually surprise you. So here's the context. At the beginning of chapter 11, Jesus' disciples have just asked him to teach them how to pray. And that's not because they'd never prayed before, but because they wanted a relationship with God like the one that they saw Jesus had. Because clearly, Jesus was connected with God in a personal way, in a powerful way, in an immediate and intimate way that they'd never seen before. And so they were asking Jesus, teach us to pray like you do, because we want a relationship like that with God. So in verses 2 through 4, Jesus teaches a prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer because Jesus is our Lord and because this is the prayer that he prayed and because he taught his disciples to pray it and because we are his disciples. So we pray the Lord's Prayer. There's no big mystery there, just thought I'd connect the dots for everybody. In Luke 11, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. So when you pray, Jesus says, start by acknowledging that God wants a deeply personal connection with you, like that of a father with his beloved child. And Jesus is saying, God already sees you that way. So you're invited to approach him that way. He's saying, call me dad. (laughs) Start by trusting that in relationship with you, he is tender, loving, protective, guiding, powerful father. And then from there, let The truth of that relationship lead you to praise. May everyone respect and show honor to you, God. May your kingdom, the place where you rule as king, start first in me and then spread to the world around me. May I be the place where you reign. And then, trusting that you care about us right here and now, God, we ask you to give us what we need. Meet us in the personal needs of our day today with your help right here. And then in our relationships, God, help us to forgive others in the same way that we joyfully receive the forgiveness you freely give us in spite of all we've done wrong. Help us to live loving others the way you love us and steer us away from those things that would trip us up in our relationship with you and with other people. There's a lot of relationship stuff packed into that prayer, isn't there? And it can convict us and redirect us and comfort us and challenges us all on any particular day. But no matter how we engage this prayer, it's all about approaching God in relationship. Trusting that he will respond to us out of relationship. This prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray assumes a trustworthy relationship with with God's love for us at its foundation. And we can't pray this prayer without assuming that. But then, after teaching us this prayer about relationship, Jesus immediately follows it up with this really strange analogy. In Luke 11, 5 through 8, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. What? (laughs) Jesus, what are you saying? You just taught us to pray, trusting that God will respond to us out of relationship and then you tell us the story about a friend who gets coerced to, into helping, not out of relationship, but just because their friend is so annoying. <laughs> is Jesus teaching us that God needs to be annoyed into answering our prayers? No, I don't think so. I think what Jesus is teaching us is for us to not be afraid to be annoying. I think Jesus is addressing the elephant in the room when it comes to our relationship with God, how we sometimes feel as human beings, addressing a a holy God. Have you ever asked God for something and felt like he was really slow in answering you? Did it make you think that God didn't really want to help or didn't care? Did it make you want to give up on asking God for anything? I think the point of Jesus' parable here is Don't give up. Even if you feel like you're just pounding on a door that doesn't look like it's going to open anytime soon, keep on knocking because there's more going on than you might realize. I mean, think about this. The person at the door, all he knows is that he needs bread and his friend has it. That's why he's pounding. And obviously, he's thinking more about the needs of his visitor and about his own pride than the needs of his friend whose door he's pounding on and he would love nothing more than his friend to spring up from bed and immediately meet his need, but the friend inside has his own stuff to manage, right? Although he cares about his friend, he's also trying to care for his family. It is midnight, after all, and they just finally got the baby to sleep. (laughs) And now this guy's pounding at the door, shh, does your guest really need bread right now? Can't it wait till the morning? But he keeps on pounding, totally rude, right? Inconsiderate. Or the action of a friend who absolutely trusts, even when he's being totally annoying and a bit selfish, that ultimately his friend is going to come through for him, even if the timing or the gift isn't what he originally expected. But I wonder if the longer he knocked, the more the guy started to realize just how rude he was being. But once you've already woken up the household, it would be even worse to disappear now, right? For your friend to finally stagger to the door and open it when all your kids are up and screaming and now nobody's there? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Past the point of no return. I'm here now. I'm going to keep on knocking. My need is still my need, and I'll just trust he'll still be my friend in the morning. And in a weird kind of way, being willing to be that annoying really points to the strength of this relationship, doesn't it? You know what I mean. Unfortunately, we only feel safe being that selfish with people we completely trust. There's only a very small number of people we dare bring our most desperate problems in the middle of the night, trusting not only that they'll come through, but that our relationship will weather even this. And I think that is what Jesus is saying here. That this is the kind of relationship that God wants with you In prayer, bring God your Father your prayers that are like this. Things that you would never ask anybody else. The selfish ones, the inopportune ones, the things that are all about saving your own pride, the ones that show your worst self. Bring them. And keep on bringing them as long as you need to, because truly there is only one source for what you need. And if He's not answering right away, there's probably a reason. Maybe you need to learn that you can approach God, even in your shameless audacity, with all the worst of your warts on display, before you'll actually trust that he really loves you, even at your worst. Maybe learning to ask and seek and knock is important for you, and recognizing this relationship. A couple of weeks ago, I was at Ling Bloomston, which is a hub for senior ministry that we've partnered with. And the speaker there told a story that really grabbed my imagination when it comes to this point. He said on a recent trip to Guatemala, he had met some farmers who had been looking for trees to provide shade and a windbreak for their crops, but they needed a tree that could withstand the tropical storms. And eventually, they found a cypress tree they thought would work well, but they found this tree in the middle of the rainy season, when everything was growing gangbusters, and they intentionally held off planting then. Instead, they waited for the driest, harshest season of the year when the ground was dusty and dry and cracked. Then they planted the seeds. Because they'd learned, if they planted those trees in the wet season when the moisture was everywhere, they would grow roots and they'd spread out randomly on the surface. And because it wasn't hard to find moisture, the tree wouldn't do the hard work of sending roots down into the rock. There's no need for that. The roots would grow shallow. And then later, when the high winds would come, those trees would be easily ripped from the ground. So instead, these wise farmers planted them in the driest, harshest season, just giving those seeds enough water day by day to get those roots started so that that tree, desperate to find sustaining water, would, in the mysterious way of plants, seek out the source far below the surface, tunneling deep down through the bedrock. And once those roots were established in the constant source, down deep, from that point on, it would stay nourished, no matter what was happening on the surface. Rain or drought wouldn't make any difference to it. And no matter how the storms raged and the winds blew, a tree with roots grown deep wouldn't go anywhere. Now, to us on the outside, it might seem a little unfair of the farmers to plant a tree in that harsh a season, to just dole out a little bit of water at a time to those seeds, to force them to keep asking and seeking and knocking. But the farmers weren't weren't trying to hurt the trees. Quite the opposite. They were trying to give them what they needed so they would develop roots that would sustain them for the long haul, no matter what they would face. You see where I'm going with this? That's what a good father wants for the people he's growing to, right? To help them find and know how to access for themselves the source that sustains in all seasons. Have you ever felt that God was doling out little bits of an answer to your prayers instead of delivering an answer at once? What do you think God might be teaching you in that? The point very rarely is the answer to one particular question. The point is the relationship with Him that, once rooted beyond this, will help you weather what comes next. There's a method to this need for us to ask and to seek and to knock, and it's for our good. And I think more than any other time in history, this seems very countercultural to us, <laughs> because our society seems to be built on the expectation that we have a right to expect instant gratification to always get what we want the moment we want it. But is that actually what's best for us? What does it take to build a resilient spirit that helps us weather turbulent times? What will it take for us to actually want to do the work of seeking the things that don't get blown around by the wind, the things that don't change, the things that sustain us with power and peace and nourish us for the long haul? It takes asking, seeking, knocking. Because Jesus says in Luke eleven nine, 9, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. But what is Jesus really promising here? What will we receive when we ask? What? will we find when we seek? The door will be opened to what? If we invest ourselves in really seeking and putting ourselves out there for the sake of this relationship, is it gonna be worth it? But Jesus answers that in Luke 11, 11 through 13, saying, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Aha, there's the Spirit. (laughs) I bet some of you are wondering, Pastor Angie, this is supposed to be a series on the Holy Spirit. Did you forget? (laughs) Surprise! Here's where Jesus does the big reveal. The Holy Spirit is the answer the disciples didn't even realize they were looking for. Remember how this all started at the beginning of the chapter? The disciples seeing the unique and powerful relationship Jesus had with God, his heavenly father, and wanting to know, Jesus, how do we get to experience a relationship like that? What they had wanted to ask and seek and knock for was not a bigger 401k. It was a bigger life. They wanted to be connected to the eternal power, the source of love like Jesus. They wanted their lives to be lit from the inside out like his. And this is Jesus' answer to that longing. It's the Holy Spirit who makes that kind of vibrant relationship with God possible. So why were God the Father and Jesus the Son of God so in tune? Because the Holy Spirit constantly connected them in perfect, unbroken, harmonious relationship. The Holy Spirit is the translator, the communicator, the advocate, the reminder, the connector. The Holy Spirit is fully God as much as God the Father is fully God, as much as Jesus the Son is fully God. The Holy Spirit is God's Spirit. Like you have a Spirit that in you, that is fully you, so does God. But the Holy Spirit isn't limited like we are. The Holy Spirit is like the connection of love and communication between us. The Holy Spirit is like the shared song in our hearts that unites us in praise. Like the sound waves that reaches our ears and carries a message deep into our hearts. Like the nudge of our conscience that encourages us to reach out to someone. Like the intangible love that binds. The Holy Spirit is like all of those things, and yet nothing in the universe is like the Holy Spirit. And to open up that kind of intimate, personal, eternal relationship for us is part of why Jesus came. It wouldn't be possible for us to experience that today unless Jesus came to shut down and restart and reboot the connection between a holy God and a broken people. And since before the dawn of time, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have lived in this perfect relationship of love. And in creation, we were invited to join that relationship. But instead, in sin, we chose to fight and put ourselves in competition with God rather than join the dance. And that choice broke us and separated us from what our hearts truly longed for. But Jesus wouldn't let us go without a fight. He came to us, and he came to die for our sin and raise to new life. Sin now paid for and set aside out of the way we are re-invited into this eternal relationship with god through jesus grace to allow god's holy spirit to draw us in through jesus redeeming work all who are willing to be in this relationship with the father's love forever And Jesus' death and resurrection, the power that connects the Father and the Son in relationship, the Holy Spirit is now extended to you and to me to draw us in to that daily connection of his love. Jesus' disciples asked, Jesus, how do we have the kind of relationship with God that you do? And Jesus answered, Pray. Trusting that God wants that kind of relationship with you. And then honestly, persistently ask. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, trusting that this gift is the best of all good gifts from the best of all good fathers. Because the truth is, he's already done the work to make that possible for you. But he's waiting for you to ask for it. He's not going to shove a relationship on you that you're not willing to be in. It's not how love works but he's been laying the foundation of this relationship with you since the dawn of time and since you are here today the holy spirit has obviously already been at work in you nudging you for a holy longing for that kind of connection and you've been responding the lord has riches of relationship in store and he wants to share them and jesus says ask and he will answer and that answer might be an immediate flood of joy Or it may be a quiet planting of a seed in a dry season where he'll give you little sips of water to launch you into a different kind of growing as he reveals one thing at a time. The important thing is, if you want to grow in relationship with the Lord, if you want more of the Holy Spirit's empowering love and connection in you, ask, Jesus says. And Jesus promises that all who ask will receive. So you can trust when you ask, whether you see him doing anything or not, he is working because that is a promise. But asking isn't the end of this. (laughs) Once you ask, we're to follow up our asking with seeking, to look for where the Holy Spirit might be moving and then move toward it. Because only a car that's moving can be steered, right? And if you're wrong, he'll redirect you. You'll probably learn something very valuable from that route. It's in the give and the take and the mistakes and the victories of seeking that the Holy Spirit will be teaching you where to send those relational roots down that are going to nourish you for the long haul. Ask, seek, knock as the Holy Spirit reveals that power to you. You see, the work of our salvation was completed by Jesus for us. We receive that by faith, but the Holy Spirit's work is taking the power of that gift that Jesus has given us, of that salvation, and applying that power to our lives even today to help us grow in living what that salvation means for us in relationship with God right now. And one of the tasks of the Holy Spirit is to reveal to us the truth about Jesus, to constantly remind us who Jesus is and bring us deeper, layer by layer, into that rock that holds us even while the world blows around us. The Holy Spirit reminds us of Jesus' teaching, shows us the truth in Scripture, warns us when we fall off the path into what's hurtful. Those relationships are daily, and the work of the Holy Spirit is to grow us in relationship with God. So let me ask you, have you been asking, seeking, knocking for that deeper connection with God? If not, what's held you back? And as we're in this Holy Spirit series, I have to say, I think for some people, what holds them back is fear, particularly of the Holy Spirit, because they don't really know what to expect. And you might have heard the stories of how the Holy Spirit has been recognized in other people's lives. And some of those things, as awesome and as wonderful as they are, actually can make people fearful. They wonder, if I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me and lead me and guide me, does that mean I'm going to pass out or stop flopping around on the floor or something equally terrifying? And here's the thing. Sometimes the Holy Spirit has done those kind of things but in people for whom that particular expression is important for them to know that it's him speaking. That is a way the Holy Spirit can move, but the Holy Spirit doesn't work the same way in everyone. The Holy Spirit is going to move in you in the way that will best help you to know that he's with you and that he can be trusted and that he's really at work. And he's not going to do that in a way that hurts you or humiliates you. Again, that's not the way of love. And that's why Jesus is teaching us right here, a good father doesn't surprise you with a scorpion when you ask for an egg. He knows what you're ready for. He knows what you need. Maybe when you ask for an egg, he'll give you an egg bake instead because he knows you need some carbs along with your protein. (laughs) But he's not going to surprise you with a scorpion. He's going to nourish you. He's going to feed you with what you need for growing for what's next for you. By his power at work in you. So, some people don't ask for the Holy Spirit to work in them because they're afraid. Jesus says, Don't be afraid. He's a good father and he gives good gifts, and the Holy Spirit is the best of all good gifts. And some people don't ask because they don't think they're worthy, they don't think they're good enough. But notice what Jesus doesn't say here Jesus doesn't say the Holy Spirit is given to those who deserve it. He doesn't say the Holy Spirit is given to those who are good. He doesn't say the Holy Spirit is given to those who have just the right amount of faith or who have been predetermined to be more spiritual. He says the Holy Spirit is given to those who ask. Maybe you have been asking, and it still seems like you're living in a dry and a harsh season. And if that's you today, beloved, I want to encourage you to keep on asking keep seeking, keep knocking. The Lord has not forgotten you. He's going to use this season to draw you deep. And when it gets hard, for heaven's sake, don't give up. Keep knocking. And know in your heart, in your mind, in your soul that some things, eternal things, are worth pursuing with all that you are. Because that's how Jesus pursued you. He laid down everything on the cross for the chance to draw you into this eternal relationship, not just someday in heaven with him, but right here and now. Is there a holy longing for more in your life? That's the call of the Holy Spirit to you. So let Jesus introduce you. Your challenge for this week is to ask. And through this series, to prepare a heart that seeks to hear and to see and to know the Holy Spirit's answer. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for showing us in such powerful ways that our Heavenly Father is good, and that you come in order to connect us, Lord, to what's bigger than us, uh, to your love for us, God, and your power at work in us. And Lord, help us to trust you in um, as we ask, Lord, for more of your power at work in us, to trust this gift of your Holy Spirit is meant to deepen us and challenge us and grow us to connect to those things that are real and powerful and good. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill us, that you would come to us, that you would renew us, that you would be at work in us in this season. And help us, Lord, give us eyes to seek and hearts to seek where you're moving, where you're uh, flowing, Lord. Help us to jump on board and give us the courage to continue to knock, Lord, on doors that we think you want to open for us. Lord, we just pray that you would place us in in a place where we trust you enough, Lord, to be as annoying as possible uh, with our prayers and with our hopes and our dreams, Uh, trusting, Lord, in your relationship with us, that you will meet us there. And Lord, even as you plant the seeds of faith in our lives, as you grow us deep, Lord, help us to trust you for the growing, Um, as all the winds blow around us, to know that you're the one who holds us fast. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.